0: Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And I'll tell you, I didn't play my music today because I had a little technical difficulty, but it's all good. But people, just so you know, you're going to be happy. I've kept my word. After the last debate, I said, because, you know, I tweet the hell out of these debates, I said I am not going to social media, any of the candidates' names, articles, (laughs) or anything about them until the next debate. Now, we're recording on Tuesday. The debate is tomorrow, and I've been good. So, and once again, after that, I plan to do it the same way. I'm not gonna I'll do it the day day after the debate, but I think I might let it run till the uh till election night. I think maybe maybe a week before, because I I can't handle the arguments on the page. I can't handle stuff like that. But enough of that. We have a we have a great show. And uh, I happened to see my guest uh um on Law and Order SVU uh last week. It's one of Joanne's favorite shows, and I was on and I said I got to get her as a guest, and my guest is Paula Marshall. How you doing?
1: Oh my, I'm so good. I, I I know of what you speak with the the social media and the posting. I've gotten into so many arguments with like my old high school friends that for some reason think Trump is is should be president. I can't even begin to tell you. So because I, I I went a little crazy with the first debate, I, I commented on every inhale, every sniff. And then the second one, I thought, I'm not going to do anything. I can't go there. So I waited. I think I was watching football, which is really much more important. Um, and then I just I fell right back into it, and then I started. I was, I was like on a roll. I'm like a crackhead when it comes to the debates and commenting on, on them. Anyway, I, I know
0: what you what you speak. I, ju- I just write jokes. That's the funny thing. And people, though, still, I just tweet jokes. And I tweet both. I mean, even the vice presidential debate. I was just going off on both. And it's so funny how people then, they they morph into, like, some monster where they yell at you. And then it's worse than that. Because my Twitter goes straight to my Facebook. They start, like, yeah. yelling at my friends. And I'm thinking, oh, my yeah. God, you guys, <laughs> you don't know. That. I mean, my I'm like, and my one friend's out of control and he's saying all this stuff. And it's like... And, and no, one, no one knows facts, no one talks, and it drives me crazy. And now I read, your, your brother's a politician, right? Oh my
1: gosh, I'm so embarrassed to say this. Yeah, he like lives in Virginia, he's a Republican. I don't even know how he came out of my mother. <laughs> he, um, he went to Catholic school, maybe that was it. I don't know, because my parents, especially my mom, was a crazy Democrat. And I have, too, become a crazy Democrat. And my daughter sits there and watches me yell at the television. And uh, (laughs) it's it's a lot. It's a big thing in our household.
0: So now you're... you're, Oh, go ahead.
1: Go ahead. I was just going to say, so Bobby, he's a House of Delegates representative in Virginia. And I remember when they had the first debate, remember when there were like 20 of them on the stage the Republican debate? Yes. Uh, I literally would text him. I'm like, alright, who are you going to vote for? Well, I'm still thinking it over. I'm like, no, you, you, you gotta know. I think at this point, there might have been just a few left. I, I, I constantly tw- you know, text him and email him just to egg him on. Why I did this, I don't know. I just can't help it because <laughs> I I, I, I want to know because my, my brother's a good guy. Everything he believes is completely opposite of what I believe. But he's a good guy, uh, deep down. But if he votes for Trump, and I hate to be this person, I'm not sure I can look him in the face. I'm like, then you're choosing, you're you're choosing, um, you know, uh, the party over, over your country, over what you know is, is, is right and, and decent. <laughs> and I, I don't know that I could forgive him. I am that nuts about this. Anybody else, anyone else, if this was John Kasich or Rubio or Chris Christie, for God's sakes, Ted Cruz even. I would even be like, I respect your opinion. We, we we don't see the eye to eye, but I would never call their supporters what I've been calling Trump supporters. I just wouldn't. I just am, I am dumbfounded every morning when I wake up that I think it's a bad dream. Okay. <laughs> no, that's it. I, I, I got that out. It felt, my, that felt really good. That's, you anyway.
0: should. that's good. That's good because my girlfriend, really Joanne, said that. She said, I used to joke around just to piss her off in the beginning, and my friend would crack up. We'd be out watching, or we'd be at a bar, meet my friend. I always go Trump just to piss her off because she hates him that much. And then she so she told me she goes it. she goes If you voted for Trump, and I found out, I would break up with you. And I said, yeah. Well, then I said, you know what? You better be my good graces on election day. So, no, it, I wouldn't. It it it,
1: it, it just I, I, I don't know. Like I don't know. I, I think about. If you are married to a, a Republican and you're a Democrat, or vice versa, uh, I, I think it'd be really hard. I mean, especially the three months before the thing. I don't know if anyone's getting any.
0: That's really. crazy.
1: <laughs> so how, how could you? How could you like you turn the lights back on and they're like, "Oh my God, you support that?" Anyway, it would anyway, be hard for me.
0: It's funny. So okay, so now you know you grew up. You grew up in Maryland, I believe. I did. Yeah. Okay. Where now, are you from? I hear I hear an accent. I grew up in a town called Cherry Hill, New Jersey.
1: Oh, it's uh, Cherry Hill, of course.
0: Ten minutes from of Philadelphia. Course. Big Eagles fan. I don't know. You said you like football. Who's your team?
1: I do like football. Well, I'm a, I'm a Cowboy. Oh, God.
0: Interview's um, over. But you guys, actually, I, you guys look great. Wait,
1: well, when was the last time that happened? I Tony know. who? I'm so sorry for Tony. But yikes, Dak. I mean, wow. I'm so excited. And I don't know what Jerry Jones is going to do. I feel like, you know, he's, he's been so loyal to Tony Romo over the years. And, and I totally respect that. But at some point, like Jim Say did, you got to let Peyton go, and you, and you hire Andrew Luck. Now again, Peyton won a won a Super Bowl after he left. That's that's, that's impressive. I, I root for the old guys now. See, um, so you know it'll be interesting to see what he does when when Tony, if he's back, if he, if does the doctors say he's you know healthy enough to play, it'll be really interesting.
0: And the Eagles play the Cowboys on my birthday when, when
1: when are we when are we playing
0: we play on my birthday uh a week from this sunday october 30th it's okay. a night oh. game and i remember it's a sunday night game and i remember five years ago the eagles played the cowboys on my birthday and it was a night game and the eagles won big and i ended up drinking a oh. lot of tequila because people bought me shots for my birthday and for the win so anyway oh
1: wow Wow, so it's a how, nice memory. How did you become a Cowboys
0: fan growing up in
1: Maryland? I know Maryland. It doesn't make any sense. Okay, here it is. In in a nutshell, my mom again. My my dad was he he liked sports. He liked politics, but not as much as my mom did. Betty Marshall was a crazy Cowboys fan. Why? Because Tom Landry. Wore a very nice suit and a hat to every game, and she thought he was such a good, like Catholic, you know, representative of uh, I don't know, football. She also had a crush on Roger Staubach, and I too, I find myself crushing on different players in the league, and I will kind of follow those players. I I was a huge Kurt Warner fan because he was, I mean, that between the arm and that great haircut and that face, how can you not love him? So I kind of follow people but i I, you know growing up watching my mom just kind of loving the cowboys and of course they were so good back then they were quote unquote america's team it was it was a great time to be a Cowboys fan now we would piss off off all of our 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 redskin neighbors we just kind of went a little nuts again we had a kind of crazy household I'm, i'm thinking um we would we would like shoot off fireworks when the Cowboys would beat the Redskins. And, you know, our neighbors weren't so happy. But it was all in good fun, I guess. I don't know.
0: Well, okay. Well, though, you, you were a Cowboys fan.
1: Yeah. That's it just because of my mom, basically. Because my mom grew up and I, I just, you know, I, I followed them. I don't think it was the cool girls you know, the, the cheerleaders outfits. I, I wasn't that, I really liked the game. Like I like Tony Dorsett and Tutel Jones and, and, you know, I, I had just, I don't know. It's, it's a great game. It's like an amazing sport to watch. I, I no other sport does what football does to me. I, I just, I'm crazy about it.
0: You should so. meet my, you should meet my girlfriend. In fact, uh, for her first Christmas together a few years ago, I had to find her a, uh... A pink jersey she wanted a pink jersey and i didn't want to get michael vick because she is a dog owner and i, yeah. I didn't want to get the one cornerback as because he stunk so i had to try to get her the sean jackson jersey and i swear to god and she's extra small so or small so that doesn't help yeah and i had to scour the internet and i finally in bethlehem pennsylvania i found someone who had an eagles jersey with the sean jackson so it'll work. Ah, so. that's
1: nice. Well, they have they have. I think Alyssa Milano is an actress who who likes football, and she created this whole line of NFL, you know, clothes that chicks can wear. We don't, you know, it, it, it's it's a little nicer on the body. So, so you should check that out.
0: Okay, so so you grew up in Maryland. Now, at what point? When when, when did you want to get involved in acting? Your mom seems like she's a very fun lady, and you know, was she? Uh, one of the driving forces for you getting into acting, or did it become later not, in your age?
1: Not at all. My parents were pretty um, simple people. They were they were afraid of that idea. They were not creative people, um, hardworking people. But they, when I how did how did it happen? I I met this woman. in uh, in a mall, I think it was Montgomery Mall at the time, and her name was Jan Stevens, and she owned a modeling agency. And I was always interested in photography, and she approached me and she she asked if I would ever be interested in modeling. I'm like, well, it's kind of, of, you know, has something to do with photography. So maybe, I don't know. I went down, I met her. Um, I started working locally. I started doing commercials, and her partner, Jay Sumner, who worked at the agency with her, used to work with a manager in New York, an acting manager called Davian Littlefield. And she kind of took me under her wing and said, look, I I think you you have something. Um, You know, modeling is, I'm only five foot seven and a half, and not that I wanted to be a model, that wasn't like my dream. Um, But acting, it just kind of, it caught me off guard, and I didn't know anybody, I didn't have any connections, except... Jay, who told me about this woman in New York, Davian Littlefield. I went to New York uh, with like a, like I don't know, four hundred dollars maybe, with um, some girlfriends to, to meet agents up there. So I ended up moving to New York after I graduated high school, and I think I had like two thousand dollars in my pocket, and that was it, and some coupons my mom gave me. Um, and I remember my mom literally, she's like, "Just don't become a prostitute." Yeah. I'm like, "I'll try not to, mom." She, you know, the big bad city. She's from Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And moving to New York City, her baby. It was, I can't even imagine my daughter now doing that. I, I can't. She. Uh, so I guess, what are you going to do? I was 18, and I had a strong will. Um, and I, I went and studied acting. And the next thing I knew, uh, you know, I got an agent out of here in California, and I kept coming back and forth and decided to move to
0: L.A. and, you know, do this for a living. And it's been very good to me. You've worked, yeah, you've worked so steadily. What was your first big break? Was it when you when you were on Life Goes On? or I mean, because you had some recurring, I saw, on Life Goes On and Wonder Years. How did you lead up to getting those parts? I mean, was it just something that, did it happen quick? Because, you know, when you look at IMDb, you can never tell by the years always what's happening. But yeah. When did you? Well, what, what,
1: what happened? Basically... I came out here for pilot season. I don't even remember what year it was. Um, I booked my first pilot called The Flash. It was um, Amanda Pays, um, uh, John Wesley Shipp, and it was one of the most expensive pilots ever made. My character did not go on to the series, but it was my first first big gig. I I got a lot of money for like 10 days' work. So my agents really started believing me after that. I would say that was kind of my big, the big moment. Before that, I worked on a um, a soap opera. like being a waitress and a babysitter, really, I didn't do much. I didn't say much. It was that was kind of the door that opened to, you know being an actor, the actor's life. Uh, the the daytime television is is rough though, because there's not much rehearsal. You never go on location but very rarely. Uh, it's it's a lot of dialogue, a lot of pages per day. It's it's a grind and it's it's kind of tedious and it's not as exciting uh, as, let's say, a, a sitcom, which I fell in love with really quickly after I did uh, an episode on Seinfeld. I was like, what is this? And there's an audience and they're laughing. And that was one of the greatest highs I've ever had in my life. And, and ever since then, my goal, my dream is to just be on a sitcom. So when Gary Unmarried was canceled, Damn, that like broke my heart because it was, the writers were so great and uh, it was a great character. Um, so that's really what I'm trying to get back to, Most of the, mostly because I love it, but also because I'm a mom and I love my kid more than I do uh, being a celebrity or money and I want to be here. I don't want to work in Vancouver and I don't want to work in Atlanta. So my goal is to get back uh, on, you know, a sitcom doing a, a four-camera show. But anyway, I, I know I've kind of rambled on. That's fine. But, uh, that's, that's
0: that's that's what I, I, I would, love. It makes
1: it makes I would my say, job easy. You know, my my first pilot. Then that kind of led to other auditions. One thing leads to another. One casting director books you in this, and then the next time you do that, it's just you know you go on the audition and you get the job. You're either you you're better or you're more right for the part than the other girl. It's not like I knew anyone. It's not like I did anything or one role. Someone saw it and it was like, "Yes, you must be our, you know, our girl in the wonder years." It doesn't work like that. You just go in, you read, and you're the best one, and you're available, and that's how it happens most
0: now, of the time. Now, the Seinfeld, which you know, I'm, I'm a huge Seinfeld fan, and I've had you know a bunch of other writers on it, uh, Peter Melman on, and all those guys. And me too, I love I mean, it. I love the show. And your episode was just on a few weeks ago, actually, because me and my girlfriend watch it at dinner sometimes. Did you ever think that that show? I mean. So many people. I always, I always classify. You know, I have a friend who's from England, who's my age. I'm 52, and Uh he's never seen Seinfeld, and I want to punch him just because who hasn't seen Seinfeld? But did you ever think that that one episode would still be around? And not that there's anything wrong with that. Like your your episode was such like one of those episodes. So many people remember. Did you ever think when you went in? to record a sitcom and you were no. a guest star. Did, I mean, do you ever think that it would just last this long? And does it just, does it just amaze you when you sit there and people still yeah. make references um, to that show? It's unbelievable. I, I'll
1: never forget reading for it. Um, it was in, maybe at Warner Brothers. Jerry was in the room with me Um, I think Stephen O'Neill was there, who was the casting director, but I could could be so wrong about that. Um, Most of the times when the stars of the show, they don't sit in on auditions of the, you know, lowly guest star. They rarely do that. And Jerry was in there, so I was a little nervous. And again, this was, I think, maybe the third or the fourth season I worked on. This was not a big show yet. I think it took a couple of years Um, to the credit of um, Warren Littlefield keeping it on the air because now no network gives any shows a chance. If you don't have 12 million viewers within the first three weeks of your new show going in there, they pull you. So I have a lot of respect for um, Warren to to know that it was funny and to keep it on the air even though the audience was not there yet. And again, it was a different time. I understand that. But um, I, you know... I was just trying to not crack up. That was a big goal on on that sitcom. And I I was, it was, I think my first sitcom, I didn't know what hold for the laugh meant. So I remember the, we were doing a scene and Jason Alexander, uh, I think it was like the coffee shop when I was kind of listening. I'm not sure exactly when, but the director said to me, hey, Paula, don't forget to hold for the laugh. I'm like, oh, sure. Sorry, sorry, my bad. And then I looked at him, and I'm like, what does that mean? Like, I, in acting class, no one ever told me that. Right. <laughs> I don't know why, because it's kind of important when you do a sitcom. It, You know, it means well, people are going to laugh. The audience is going to be there. And when you're rehearsing, you know, there's writers. But you got to ride the wave of the laughter and then jump back in, like, you, seamlessly, like, you're not holding for the laugh. And so I remember when he told me that, and I was so embarrassed. And um, just the whole the week working with him, and then I remember... I got a rewrite, and it said in the rewrite, some writer walked by and was like, Paula, hey, did you get the rewrite? And I go, yeah, I know, I have to kiss Jerry Seinfeld. I was a little nervous about that because Jerry was was a stand-up. He wasn't really an actor, so he wasn't really used to, you know, I don't know, kissing girls. So he was really kind of nervous. Um, So I kissed Jerry Seinfeld. I was in one of the, you know, the show, I think, was it Henry Winkler came up to me and was like, hey, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's funny, like the weird people that come up to me and and quote that famous show. And by the way, I never said that. Everyone else said that around me, but I never did. I think I was the only one on the show who didn't say. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Oh, I also have a great story. And by the way, yes, I did just drink a Coke. So I'm in um, Beverly Hills at the Nike store. It has to do with Jerry. Um, I'm driving. uh, I mean, I'm in Nike store getting some tennis shoes. I see Jerry Seinfeld. He's up paying for like five pairs of shoes. And I walk up to him and I'm like, I don't even know if he's going to remember me. I say, Jerry, you know, you can probably call your publicist and get this shit for free. And he looks at me and he goes, Lois Lane, which was what he called me in the episode. He goes, you remind me of Lois Lane. And then he kisses me. And he goes, hey, Paula, how are you? I'm like, I'm good. How are you, Jerry? Jerry Seinfeld remembered my name after I don't know how many years. Um, and, and, you know, guys like that just don't, I don't know. I was just impressed with him. It was an all around great experience. How
0: about that? Well, see, that's, and I, I know I remember his name cause I, I did stand up comedy from 88 to 95 and we just, yeah. we, we have that, we have like that idiot, idiot savant memory. Like we remember everything of people we've met or, or done shows with or cast members of TV shows but then really? we, we can't remember last week like we just remember oh. because it's a cuz you want it's for us it's a working relationship and you guys were on for a week together and you gain trust and you know comics were not the most trustworthy people so when you get someone <laughs> you trust you you remember them and that's but that's so cool and you're right he could have got the sneakers for free i heard he's a nike junkie
1: yeah, I mean, he could have gotten the sneakers for free. All he had to do was call and say, "Hey, give me some sneakers." Yeah, he's so cool. And J- Jason too. I I ran into him at a, a sushi restaurant out in, um, in on Beverly, and he walked out and he said, "Paula Marshall, how are you?" Like it's just, you know, it's just me. I'm just a little Paula Marshall from your show, and he totally remembered me. I just, I maybe I have a really bad memory, and you know, I should it should have been a stand-up because it, maybe it would have helped my memory because I'm terrible at it. It's, <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm impressed with them.
0: So, after Seinfeld, you started doing yeah. a run of a lot of series. Like, Wild Oats, that was a sitcom? Yeah, uh, Wild Oats was
1: a sitcom, yeah. It was, um, I would say that was my first kind of lead part in a sitcom. It was for Fox. It was Jana Marie Huff, Paul Rudd, and Tim Conlon, and we worked on the Fox lot. I was so excited about it. There was also another show uh, that was on, that was like a new show, new pilot at the same time called Friends. And they they hit and we didn't. It was like, you know, six Friends. And our show is four Friends. So I guess we were minus two Friends and that was the difference. Um, it was really fun to work on. Uh, and I remember Paul Rudd really kind of, he was, he was, he was a really nice guy, but he really didn't like doing television. She's like, I just want to be a movie star. I'm like, yeah, get in line. And, and what's funny is i all I really ever wanted to be was on TV. I didn't care much about the movies, um, But it's so nice to see him and, you know, doing what he loves and his, you know, it's interesting when you start and you see someone follow through and now he, he made it exactly where he, you know, that was his goal and he made it. And it's nice to see. But yeah, that was Wild out and that was, um, I think my first kind of my first sitcom. I should look up myself on IMDb
0: too. You have a very see. impressive IMDb. I always look at, you know, I had someone, I, and this is bad, This is I'm, I'm not a, a snob when it comes to my guests, but someone you know, I deal with publicists sometimes, and they're like oh, well, how about this guy? And if they have less than 25 IMDb credits, I'm like, nah. And I'm just like, sorry. <laughs> and, 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 and that's not just because I just, it's nothing against them, I'm sure they're great, but I got to talk to him about something. So I got to ask, I always right. ask, that was your first like you said, that was like your first sitcom. Now, yeah. what does your mind go through when it gets canceled? Because it's such um, an exciting thing and, you know, what are you what are you thinking cuz you're young, you've had success. It's not like you haven't been a working actor. You know, but what on that first when that first thing gets canceled, do you feel really depressed or do you feel does it make you more aggressive where you're going? It was a good thing. They're wrong. How did you react that first time?
1: Um, it was it was pretty much a drag. It, it, what happens when they cancel a show, it, it's taken away from you so quickly that you, you hardly have time to mourn it. I just remember one day going, okay, well, that's it. Pack up your dressing room. It's over. What? I'm sorry, huh? Same thing happened with Cupid. It was just so quickly... Uh, you know, over, um, you know, you we're looking at the numbers, I got it, you know, the time slot is very important, and um, it was a little, it, it was shocking, but I guess, you know, when you're young, and you book a lot, and I was, both of those things, um, you thought, oh, well, I get. it I'll just get, get the next one. You you rarely think I'll never work again. That's that's you know when she hits forty, maybe you start going. Ooh, that was probably the last show I'll ever do. Because actors, the cliche is you always say, "Oh my God, I'm afraid I'll never work again." Um, it sucks. It just it, it's sad. But I think that one, it was my first taste of it. I So I, I felt lucky to have experienced it, and it, that show also gave me. The drive to get back on another sitcom because I loved it. I love not only do I love the hours and I didn't have any kids then, but I I love the the routine of it, the uh, the rehearsal process. I loved the performance in front of the audience. It's like I said, it's a high that not you know you know how it feels when someone laughs at you. It's so great. So uh, it's a really it's something that I miss right now. I really miss that. So um, yeah,
0: getting canceled
1: sucks. I've I've been through it way too many times.
0: Now we, what everybody know that. It's, <laughs> I, what does it feel like? Also, like like I I looked at the the cast for Chicago and Sons. It it was such a killer cast. Oh. Doesn't that get like? And I've talked to so many people that they've said the cast of a the show they've been on, and you hear the cast, and like I know someone I forget who it was. He said his his father was Harvey Corman, his mother was Cloris Leachman. And you're thinking, yeah. what a killer cast. And it didn't last. Chicago and Sons, you had Jason Bateman, you had D.W. Moffat. you had Krumholz. What is I What know. goes through your mind, and you, don't forget you, and what, what goes through your mind when that, like what happens with that? Does that, that just must suck?
1: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Jason Bateman, he's a comic genius. I can't tell you how amazing and subtle, I mean, we all know it. He's just, he's, he's, he's always been good. But I remember working with him on that show, it was the the little tiny moments that I saw that, you know, sometimes sitcoms, people go, oh, you're so big and so fake. Oh, no. It was it was just kind of confusing. Like, yeah, how many viewers do you – it's all about numbers. If your show – if that show would have been on a different network, uh, then we probably would have still been on the air. It, I, I, I go through this a lot with Gary Unmarried – I think we got 7 to 8 million viewers, something like that. Well, it wasn't enough. If that was on NBC at the time instead of CBS, we probably would have run like 30 Rock. 30 Rock, I think, had 2 to 3 million viewers at, at, at its height. So, like, well, what do I have to do? I don't, I don't take it personally. How could I? I don't write it. I don't direct it. You know, it, it, it's just a, a drag when you think something is good and people say it's good, and yet, you know, America—not enough of America—is watching. Again, it, it's changed a little bit since, um, you know, DVR. You can you can record things. You can watch things online on Netflix. Everything is a little different right now, so I don't know um, how much the the numbers really how they, much they take it into account. I'm sure they still have to because. I don't know how else they figure out what to hit or not. Um, but, yeah, with that talent, it doesn't always mean that it's going to last. I've, there's plenty of shows. I mean, look at George Clooney. I think he did more pilots than I did. And they we're very too close. with like, who did more pilots that, that failed, me or George? Um, so it, it, it doesn't really mean anything. It means we're both good enough to keep getting hired and keep working uh, but for some reason, you know, magic doesn't always strike, and sometimes I think it is magic that keeps the show on the air.
0: Yeah, you...
1: either the chemistry. But then, but then, why it was canceled? Uh, Cuba canceled. Jeremy and I. There was magic there. Again, it's the numbers. It has to be numbers equals. You know, chemistry equals the, the crew, the cast, and the crew. And then, you know, it all melds together. It just sucks. It sucks.
0: Well, and it's also there's also you. But for you, you know, you've had so many. Uh... You know, you're involved in Spin City and Sports Night. I mean, you must that's when you look back, you must sit there and go, Wow. I mean, Spin City was was a great show. Sports Night you work so with cool. Aaron you work with Aaron Sorkin. And it's just like the people you work with, I mean, as an actor, that must, you know, really bring up your A game because you guys are all a a game talented actors. And when you work with people at that level, it just must make you strive to always do better. Aaron Sorkin,
1: oh my gosh. When I got that job and I was kinda shocked because I was playing a porn star and I was like, Aaron, you've seen you I you know I have like a thirty four B. This is I okay, fine. I'm not gonna question it. Um it's but I didn't look anything like a porn star. Like he so went against type. Um I remember just the words were so great. I'm a huge Aaron Sorkin fan. Um and and it was uh melina and i when we were doing the scene it was there was that I, i felt magic i felt the magic when i was acting um um with him like i did jeremy piven there was something in in the words and in the writing um rob thomas who wrote cupid had that same kind of i don't know flair for the for the word uh different of course but uh but there was like a magic. Um, yeah, Spin City. I love those guys. And when I love um, uh, Michael J., he um, said to me, we were. it was like my first episode. I went, and I think I did, I don't know, like eight or something in the second season. It was my first scene. We were walking through the corridor in front of the audience. We do it, take two. I walk back with him, and he says to me, and I'll never forget this, he goes, Marshall, you just held a candle to me out there. Is that what he said? You just held a candle to me out there. And that's not easy. Not many people do that. And so way to go. No, wait, hang on. Not many people hold a candle to me out there, and you just did it. Something like that. I've had too much Coke. Um, Coca-Cola. Um, and so, like, those, those moments, that Michael J. Fox, who's such a, you know, a genius, as far as, you know, comedy goes, and he just gave me this huge compliment. Yeah, man, um, what a great, what a great career I've had, that I've had the opportunity to work with so many different people and play so many different parts. I mean, yeah, it sucks that I I haven't had that huge hit that, that will, you know, will keep my daughter in a great private school for long. (laughs) That's, that's my goal now. Just keep her in a good school. Just keep her safe and healthy, and and studying in a in a safe environment. Um, but I have had the opportunity to work with so many different people. So there's that. So you got to look at you know it's half full, my life.
0: And you and you met your husband on set. How did that happen? I and did. You did. Think, well, did you Danny think you get married? I we mean. met.
1: Um, we met on uh, a film that we did um, called That Old Feeling, and. It was with Bette Midler and Dennis Farina played my parents. Um and hang on. And um we filmed this thing, this movie in Vancouver, New York. A couple years later, we are both cast in um, we were both cast in the David Kelly TV show called Snoops. His first bomb by the way. <laughs> Um, which is awesome, awesome for me. It was coming off of Cupid. I, I, uh, I remember I was so in love with this Cupid and, and the writers and my character, and then they called. They were like, hey, we've got this new show, this David Kelly show. It's called Snoops. And I read the script. I just didn't love it. You know, I was kind of hot right now. I don't want to do it unless I love it. And they said, but Rob Thomas is going to be the head writer. I was like, oh, well, that's weird. That Maybe it's just meant to be. So I go, and then they tell me Danny Nucci's going to do it. I'm like, Danny Nucci, damn! I had a crush on Danny Nucci. This could be okay. <laughs> that's how that's how we got together. I asked him out on the date, um, but I met him on a, a film, and then a couple years later, we uh, we got together.
0: So, were yeah. you dating when the show went on, or were you just did? I mean, and then when it didn't get, go, if it got when it got canceled. Did you guys decide to keep dating? How did that work? Cause, and it must be weird in a when you're in a new relationship to be working with that person. Because yes, you want to spend time with yes. them, but then you're working, <laughs> it and it's a different environment. It's like he's got to be in character. I got to be in character. We don't really want the crew to know. I mean, just how did that work in that when you started dating on that set? Yeah. It, well,
1: David Kelly didn't like it very much. I don't think. I don't think anybody really likes it when your stars start to you know date each other, because there could be drama around it. Um, we, it, I think we only did about 10 episodes. The show really wasn't my favorite show. It was not, it was supposed to be a comedy, at least that's how they sold it to me, and again, I just came off of Cupid, so I was, um, yeah, I don't know, it was hot then. And and I, I knew what I wanted to do, and I knew it made me happy, and, and uh, the show just quickly turned into kind of like a, not a great drama. Um, and some shit went down, and no one was really that happy on that set. And um, I actually quit. I quit after, like, episode eight. I was making more money than I ever had in my life, and everyone thought I was crazy. And I go, but it's just not It's not good. It doesn't make me happy. And it was canceled two weeks after I quit, so I knew it was the right thing to do. Um, but, no, working with Danny, I mean, it was – it's a new relationship is fun and flirty, and he'd go to work and then would hook up after work. It was fun. It was, it was great. It was sexy. It was, you know, that's, that's kind of cool. It's how a lot of people meet because there's, you're on the set so many hours, and, the, you know, you spend all this kind of weird artificial time with each other. So I guess it just made it happen a little quicker. Because we did spend so much time each other, with each other. Nowadays, like, I'm not sure I want to work with my husband nowadays in like, <laughs> you know, like 14 hours a day. That's like cool. enough's enough. But you know, in the beginning, it's so good.
0: Now, so we had no problem. Now, what did That's your fun. agents say when you quit? Because the bottom line is, yeah, we can all love our agents, but they want, they're about the money. And you're making all this money. And I'm and, yeah. and guessing all these roles you didn't audition for because people were offering them. How do you sit there and tell your agent, oh, by the way... I'm going to quit this show, even though you don't. You probably had the right intuition that it was going to get canceled, but how does your agent react when you sit there and go, okay, you're losing 10% of this? Hey, people, welcome back to Cooper Talk. Uh, Paula had a uh, family emergency yesterday, but everything was good. Everything's good, so Everything's it worked out. Fine. So, Paula, welcome back. Thank you. And so we were talking, people, yesterday, we were talking about how your agent reacted when you quit snoops because you said you're making a lot of money and agents are all about money how did they react when you did that
1: i think they understood that the show was not like a huge hit right off the bat so i i kind of feel like they had my back they understood i was somewhat hot at the time so they weren't at least i don't think they were too worried about me booking again but to be on the air is a huge accomplishment i mean they maybe i don't know back in the day they would do like maybe a hundred pilots and 20 get picked up It's, it's tough to get on the air um so i think they understood they might have hung up the phone and was like jesus christ what is she thinking that's like a lot of money she's throwing away uh but like i said the show was canceled three weeks after i quit so i felt completely okay and i think they did too but uh yeah it's something I'm not sure I would do again. Uh, we just had such a different a different uh, way of looking at at the the show and again, I thought it was going to be a comedy it was it was kind of a rough go and i, I have nothing but respect for David Kelly and how he runs his show. It's just coming off of Cupid and going into this. Uh, it was also I don't know it just it didn't feel right, and I felt like this was not where I was supposed to be. So I quit. I so know
0: it's hard to believe. Well, no, if it's weird thing is though. So then, where do you go from there in in your creative mindset? Are you are you a little bit um, antsy about scripts you get because you might want the same thing may happen again because you know you don't want to get stuck in that situation because then if yeah. you quit too much, then people are going to go, "Oh my god." god well, again, difficult. I I don't think I
1: would ever quit again. Most actors don't. Most actors just act up. And are unhappy on the set, and they're bitches. I don't want to be like that, uh, which is why I think uh, I quit. It was also David Kelly understood. He's like, all right, well, maybe I can write you out. He didn't seem all that heartbroken, honestly. They replaced me with uh, Jess, Jesslyn, 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 I forget her last name. Um, and so she kind of came on, and again, the show was canceled. Um, but he, I think he understood um and again, I say, you know, David Kelly's a great writer. It's just this show was not so good, and no one was really happy. I think, um, I don't think I got a bad reputation because of it. I, I think I have nothing but, um, you know, if you ask anyone in, in town, I'm one of the easiest actors to, to work with, uh, maybe to a fault. I don't complain enough, so people walk all over me. Um, but in, in that situation, everything told me I shouldn't be there. Uh, and then when the show, again, got canceled, it made sense that it wasn't going to last. And um, it's just tough to be on a set and, and be on a show you don't believe in. When you're making a ton of money, again, I think, actors, it's a funny thing. All we're trying to do is get a job that lasts. And then all we do is complain about the job when we have the job. I, I, I don't know, like one person, maybe Julie Bowen loves her job because... <laughs> You know, you get to work with Ty Burrell every day, and you're on a big hit. I've never been on a big hit before, so that must be an amazing feeling. I i can't wait to have that happen to me.
0: And you will. I'm telling you. Yeah. you it's the luck of Cooper Talk. LaMonica Garrett up, was on up. my show and everything blew up. Brian Howe was on my show. Next thing you know, he was on Road on Vice Principals. I'm telling you, it's, um, it's, it's, um, it's the luck of the Scorpio. Um, I'm ready. Now, now, now I'm,
1: I'm getting in shape.
0: Okay. Now, you work with Ty Burrell also in down the road.
1: Yeah, Ty was. I was no. It's called Out of Practice. Ty yeah, I've and I did this sitcom um, with Stocker Channing, Henry Winkler, Chris Gorham, and myself. We played a family of doctors, and it only lasted a season. It was really funny. I had just had a baby, so three weeks after I came. Well, actually, I came home from the hospital, and a script was on my door. For some reason, I didn't get an email of it. They still delivered me a script and I think three days after I got home from the hospital I was testing for this part I got it and three weeks later I'm shooting the pilot and then the show got picked up which kind of freaked me out because I thought oh I was going to take a year off and and be a mom but because it was a sitcom it allowed me I brought my daughter to work with me every day I met the nanny on the set and she strolled around the Paramount lot it was pretty amazing situation that I could uh, have my cake and eat it Um, and, uh, but it didn't last too long, but Ty and I are still very good friends. And, and I, it's funny when we worked together, Chris Gorham and I are, we would just sit there and, and we were amazed at this guy's talent and we knew he was going to be huge one day. It just wasn't on our show, sadly, because I would have loved to have been working with him every day.
0: Now, is there any other actors you felt that way about that you just watched and said, man, this person's going to blow up androgynously? But uh, yeah. is there anyone you've... Uh, is, is there anyone well,
1: you've... I, I knew Jeremy Piven. I mean, again, when Cupid didn't last, uh, he was so good on it. I mean, we used to have so much fun ad-libbing, which is something I was not necessarily used to. Jeremy coming from uh, Chicago and I, I believe did a lot of improv, uh, and he's just so quick. He's so quick and, and smart and and funny. I learned so much from him. I knew for sure, just because it, this show didn't go, that he was going to go on for you know and, and make great things. And he did. Uh, I'm trying to think, anybody else that... No, I would just say, you know, Ty, I knew. Like, you know, comedy. Jason Bateman already was. I, I knew who he was. Paul Rudd, I, again, I was so happy. I didn't know that Paul was going to... As big as he is, I wasn't sure. Um, but a few people, and then you think you work with some people, and and they're great, and they just never hit on that big show. And we just, just like me, I we just keep trying. We're just working actors. We just keep
0: plugging away. Well, what's the thing about amazing about your body work is you know you you have consistently worked, but it's also when I notice this with people who have a, a lot of talent and are respected the level of people you've worked with. So that says a lot for you. I mean, I always sit there, you know, it's like, you know, if a a baseball player stinks and he goes up to the pros, he stinks more. But you've come up, I mean, you know, you also, you worked on Nip Talk, which, you know, that was just a crazy show.
1: It's so crazy. When I auditioned for that, I remember, um, I remember reading the script and then, um... Going in, and I think probably who, who, uh, I had to, re- I had like, like three, three scenes, and most of them were crying. Uh, and I read, and then I got a call from my agent saying, they want to meet you. It was also like 10 people in the room, including the creator, uh, whose name completely uh, escapes me. Um, uh, uh, the guy that does American Horror Story. Ryan Murphy. Oh. There you go. So he's in the room, I, I go back, like 10 writers in the room plus him, and I go back in and they say, we really like you, we want you to do this, but we, we need to talk to you about something. I'm like, um, okay. And they go, well, you know, this girl, she has an eating disorder and we're thinking we're going to have her like, you know, have an accident in the jacuzzi. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? She goes, well, this is what happens. He, he explains this whole thing to me and I go, oh no. I can't do this. I'm way too vain. There's no way. So I called my agents, and I'm like, look, I would love a recurring on this role. I think it's a great show, but there's no way. I want to be pretty. So there you go. And my agents laughed, and they're like, oh, come on, Paula, you got to, like, you know, go from a comedy, in, and they wanted me to challenge myself and, and do something completely different. So it took me, like, 24 hours to agree to do it because, again, I am vain, and I it's really hard to put yourself out there and not looking so pretty and glamorous um, and but I did it damn it um, so you know you do you, you do what you you do just because and I'm really proud of the work I did on that show
0: so also then you also ended up on California Cation, which I love that show and I love hack oh, what was that it's, like it's, shooting and this I mean and because the company's character characters so over the top but what I've seen in interviews i heard the company is just, like, a hysterical guy.
1: Can I tell you, I did not know, David, I auditioned for the role, and I remember the Scott Winant, who directed that episode of Californication, I guess it was, like, the first episode back after the pilot or something, because I remember watching the pilot and thinking, oh, my God, this is one of the greatest shows I've ever seen, and to end with, like, you know, Sympathy for the Devil, I think it was. Um, like, I, I was just blown away visually and and the music soundtrack and everything for this tv show so i go i meet david after i get the part i knock on his trailer his huge movie star trailer and i said hey we have a mutual friend my very good friend gigi is married to david's old friend from uh school back in new york named matt warshaw and so i said you know we have this mutual friend and it's a nice way to break the ice and, by the way, I think that was the first day on the set, and we were naked. That always seems to happen. You have the sex scenes right at the top. So you're like, hi, nice to meet you, and countdown, take your clothes off. Um, David is so smart, something I didn't know, and so funny and quick and, and subtle. He has a little bit of what um, uh, um, Jason Bateman has. That very kind of dry, witty humor—it's really—it's uh, it, fun to be around. He also had such a command of the set. You know, you go on these sets, and the lead of the show—the first guy on the call sheet or first girl on the call sheet—really sets the tone for the whole show and how people are treated, and and how that working atmosphere is 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 gonna—you know—how it's gonna all end up at the end of the day you know can you be open can you ask questions can you have fun on the set is it more you know controlled by the writer and David made it so easy to work with he when we were doing the scene where um, maybe if you saw the show you saw we were having sex and then everyone walks in on us and we were high and drunk and he throws up on this painting after I kind of he falls off of me because I we were having sex it, it's a whole long story but um he throws up and so in off camera um while we're waiting to finish the scene I say to him oh my god that's so gross because tv vomit is, is still very gross even though it's like mushroom soup or something uh, I said that's making me sick like even looking at it and he goes, you know it would be funny what if you threw up after I threw up and I'm like oh my god a sympathy puke that's that's fantastic. And so I kind of raised my hand like I was in second grade. Like, um, Scott, do you think I could throw up after seeing it? And they go, oh, I don't think so. The writer's like, I don't think anyone's going to want to see you throw up. And I go, let me just do one take. Just one take and see if it works. So they literally gave me one take. It was hysterical. And I ad-libbed something at the end where uh, I said, we're just so high, I don't know what happened. And David's character, or David started laughing, and he went over to the writer, and he goes, would you please give Paula the button? Which, everybody knows, is kind of the joke. The last joke of the scene was David's, but he gave it to me. He gave the joke of the scene to the guest star. That's the kind of guy he is.
0: See, that's awesome. And he just seems that way. Whenever I see him in interviews, you know, he's just always so funny. And even when he used to show up in the Larry Sanders show... He was just oh, so he was just so like great. different. Yeah, it's yeah, it's great. Well, so you work with funny guys, and then then you get Gary to married, and, and you know Jay Moore. People a lot of people know Jay Moore was like on the Foxworthy show when he was like sixteen. Like Jay's been doing stand-up forever.
1: He has. I he mean, really has. Yeah, we um, Jay and I. He used to give me so much grief about being a cowboy fan. I was like, yes, I know Jay. I know you don't like Tony Romo. Like, let it go. And then my cowboys were all had been really struggling for so many years, so it was not fun to get my nose rubbed into it, you know, uh, during football season with Jay around. He gave you so much grief.
0: What was that like? That was a good show. That ran for a few years. Were you, was that, you know, were you, were you happy to have now you're in a sitcom? And did you think it would last a few yes, years? Yes, I
1: really thought, Steve, I thought this was going to be the one. I thought this was the show that everyone would go, oh, you were so great in that, and, and that was one of my favorite shows, and, um, yeah, I really did. It was the writers were great. The it, it it just it felt right. Jay and I had such good chemistry. We played, you know, divorced parents, and and you could see. Usually, writers, the ex-wife is just a bitch. Okay, that's just they. That's what they write. They made her so relatable, and and you could see why these two people were in love once and had a family, but also why they couldn't be together anymore. It was really a sweet show. I thought, I thought it was it. So when when CBS canceled it, oh, I was so angry. I really still hold it against them, um, just like I do ABC and Cupid. I haven't let it go. Um, so yeah, it's tough. It's tough because you think it was a perfect role. It was. I had great hair. You know, that's important too.
0: Well, yeah, I'm bald, so I used to have great hair, and so, you know, it's... Well,
1: as a girl, a girl you have great hair, and and funny lines, and you're not just, you don't just, you know, lob the joke up for Jay, they gave me jokes, it was great, it was a great, uh, great experience.
0: Now, so that ends, and then, now you've, you've segued into a lot of drama, is that just because there aren't the roles for... Women over forty, or is that because yeah. your you what? I don't
1: know if that's really the case. I do think writers and stories—you know—who's watching TV? Young people, right? So they're gonna they're gonna skew TV shows towards the their audience. I totally get that. It's almost like I'm not old enough to play someone's mom yet, or I'm too old to play the new mom. It's it's tricky. Again, I I've, I've worked. I I really can't complain complain about it. I'm not going to blame anything except timing. Um, and also, it's, it's tough for us TV actors that, you know, all the movie stars are like, hey man, this is a good gig. You do a TV show, you don't have to go on location, sometimes. Um, you know, you're not moving around as much, you're not in you know Bulgaria doing a movie for six months, that's appealing. So, um, it's tougher for us TV actors to, to, to book a lead role when you have, you know, many drivers doing television now. And, you know, hey, it, it pisses me off a little bit because I'm like, I can't compete with you. I think the other day I read for um, Designated Survivor and Virginia Madsen got the part I read for. I'm like, OK, well, I think she's won an Oscar. So right. <laughs> I'm sure that was a good choice. I think she's going to be much better than me anyway. So it's it's tough. It really is tough. And again, I'm being picky because I like to stay in town because I'm a mom and she's more important than, you know, an Emmy or any gig. So, it, but, it, but it's true. It, it, if I had my my way, I would be on a sitcom again and work, you know, nine to three like I did with Jimmy Burroughs and have that great day of making people laugh you, you, and, and you're paid for it. It is truly the greatest thing I've ever done is when I get to, to perform in front of people in front of that audience it's just it makes
0: me happy well as you so, as you're doing the dramas you also but you also got to pop in on two and a half men which how was that like how was the set
1: oh that was that was really fun um i had never i don't think i've even auditioned for the role and uh a couple of writer friends who then left gary because gary was canceled and went to two and a half men they they pretty much wrote that that role for me, they're like thinking of a woman, or like, who do I buy that could have been a dude before? Who has that dude mentality They you thought of me, of course, because I'm such a football fan, and and I think like a man a lot of the time uh, in my real in my real life. Uh, I, I don't always play the girl card, and um, so that was that was a fun little thing. That uh, Mark Gross was one of the writers over there, and it it was great. It was right down the street from my house, and to be on such a uh, a great iconic you know show that lasted boy what was that 10 years or something it was nice it was a nice uh, a nice little gig i got but dramas like like you mentioned before i, I do like to do both dramas are not as fun i did the svu and it was tough you're like okay i gotta cry again okay another shot i gotta cry again okay another angle of that shot i gotta cry again it's really emotional and it's it's draining and i don't fake cry uh Unless, you know, I've been crying all day and I, I don't have any tears left, and then they blow that stuff in your eyes to make your eyes look watery. Um, it's draining. I did, however, just work on a new show. I'm really excited about it. Uh, it's called Doubt. It's going to be on CBS. I know of it. Um, it's with Kath- Catherine Heigl. She uh, plays a lawyer in New York City, and Elliot Gould is her dad, and I play her older sister who... Um, uh, who lives out of town. It's, it's a new show. I haven't seen the pilot yet. I believe I was in like episode seven or something. So I'm hoping it will be picked up. I think it'll be a mid-season show on CBS. And uh, I would love to go back. I did a scene with Elliot Gould. I was like, pinch me. I'm doing a scene with Elliot Gould, playing my father. It was really a highlight of my career.
0: I know the show because so- I did a day as a stand-in for the one judge. No so, way. Yeah. I was. What? Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> that's awesome. But, uh, yeah, and I, it was one quick scene, and Katherine Heigl was, uh, and then I switched to playing a court guy. But, yeah, it looks great, and I think Dooley Hill's in that, and he's wonderful. Yeah, so he's
1: so great. And, the, like, I get to, like, watch him tap dance in between scenes. He's amazing. Just like, uh, I think most people go check their phones. He tap dances just because cause he can. What was it
0: like working on SVU for a show that's been a, the the crew and the, cast has been together. I mean, the cast has had changes, but what's it like working on a show where the crew has been so together for so long? It has to be, so they probably have to move pretty quick, right?
1: They do. Um, it was a well-oiled machine, for sure. Um, w- Wally Langham played my husband. I don't, I guess he's never worked on the show either. He, you know, you kind of come in, you do your scene. I don't even think I've met anyone besides the director. You know, the 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 crew, it's like 18 years. The drivers were amazing. I remember I, I had some great conversations with the drivers and, and working on a show and being part of something that's lasted so long and had been so respected like like it has. Um, everyone seemed really happy, but really they, they knew what they were doing, so it was kind of like second nature. Everything just, okay, we do this, we do that. Um, and working with Mariska, who... I think the last time I saw her was at my Tupperware party, that's right, I threw a Tupperware (laughs) party, back like maybe 20 years ago, Um, and we, I just, she brought it up because I had forgotten the fact that she was there, so we're reminiscing, I get all emotional, we get all choked up about the fact that we both, you know, were kids when we started and we're still here, and... Uh, it was pretty. It was pretty amazing. I sent her. Then when I got home after the episode, I went. I went through my photos and I sent her some pictures because she. Um, she had asked me. She's like, was Jennifer Lopez at that Tupperware party? Because I ran into her and I said, I think I met you at a Tupperware party. To which Jennifer said, I don't think so. Clearly, she had forgotten as I did that they were both at my Tupperware party at the same time. There you go. So I sent Mariska <laughs> some pictures of uh, of us when we were like twenty. It was so great. We are so cute, and young.
0: It was nice to see. <laughs> That's awesome, though. So, so, so doubt yeah. doubts. You don't know when doubts gonna air yet.
1: I do not. I think, like any show, you know, they're waiting for a time slot. They're waiting for one of their other shows to tank, and then they'll slide it in, or you know, maybe do a summer release. I'm not really sure, but I'm guessing. Mid, you know, maybe January they'll start. They find a they find a way to sneak it in there. Also, Catherine is about to have a baby, so it would be great for her to have the baby, take a couple of months off, and then come back and shoot some more episodes. Because I think they're only doing
0: ten. Okay. So. Well that's awesome I'm glad we got to finish this up because we were having a good conversation and you were you were great yesterday and you were great again today
1: now now awesome uh, well I appreciate you having some patience
0: hey Thanks. you know what it's what I do you know it's figured once I found someone could edit it I stopped freaking out because I do that okay, I freak, I'm, like, I'm like wait a second what am I gonna do I can't connect to it. and I was trying to merge uh, it's crazy no so what I need
1: a, I need a lesson in computers
0: <laughs> I myself. do too and I do this I need believe me so so do you tweet?
1: I do uh, not that much. I mostly am like uh, a political whore, and I, I comment a lot on uh, on football,
0: and, what's football your Twitter? And,
1: and politics. What's your Twitter? Let's see. It's at Paula M. Marshall because when I signed up, like I just did, there was another Paula Marshall, and so I added the M because that's my middle name, even though everyone like doesn't even see it, and I never changed it. So.
0: Okay, cool. Well, people follow her on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. Also, go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have, what, 562 episodes up. I just posted today my good friend Rich Dredmond, who drums for Jason Aldean, and he's off for like six months, so he's excited. Also, uh, go to my other uh, website, stopthesalt.com. When I had my heart problem a few years ago, I wrote that cookbook. It's uh, hundred and twenty. Easy to make recipes, no long list of ingredients. If you don't have cumin, don't worry, you don't need cumin. If you don't have, and there's no pictures, so you won't get intimidated. So it's easy to make. So what you do is you go to StopTheSalt.com and you buy it. Now you can get it at Barnes and Noble or Amazon, but at StopTheSalt.com, I make more money and I will sign it for you. So go there. Go into IMDb. Follow Paula's career. Go see her stuff. Go go watch her stuff. Go into Netflix. Watch it. She's a she's a great actor. She's been working forever. You'll see her on the Seinfeld episode because it's on like once every six months. Also, email me, Cooper at coopertalk.net. Instagram and Words with Friends, Cooper Talk 1. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I will talk to you guys next week.